Take your Bibles this morning. Turn to First Peter. First Peter, chapter number one. Actually, this this is not. We're going to actually read portions of this, but. Chapter 2 is where we're going to read. We're going to actually take our text from first chapter, first Peter 1. So it's 2 Peter. I did this yeah, last week, didn't I? The week before. I apologize for that. Sometimes this happens. I get my first, second Peter's mixed up. We're going to be in first. 1 Peter chapter number 2, we're going to read the first nine verses, and uh, 1 Peter, don't, uh, don't be confused by what's up here, 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to read the first nine verses, let's stand as we read the word of God together, the Bible says, it says, wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy, and I'm, yep, 1 Peter chapter Two verses one through nine. Everybody there? Right, make sure we got everybody there. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be you've tasted that the Lord is gracious, whom coming unto is a lively stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also are lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which are disobedient the stone, which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient whereunto they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your calling, and we thank you, Father, that we are be maturing and growing. Uh, Father, as individuals, as a church, uh, Father, we know that uh, we want you to help us with that. We want you to guide us in that. We want you to strengthen us, Father. Uh, We wouldn't disappoint you, Father, that your will would be accomplished as individuals and as a body. Uh, Father, being what we can be for you and, and being that, we would be what we need to be for each other. Father, for the lost that need us to be all that we should be, Lord, they would have a chance, as we've had, to hear the truth, and Father, the truth to set us free. Bless our time together, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you'll have a seat. We're going to look at the new, uh, the idea of maturing, and before we go there, we really need to recognize before we can mature in the faith, we have to be in the faith. Uh, this is a very important. 
I, I honestly believe many times people struggle in Christian maturity because they really have never made that first step, which is salvation. Uh, let me take the time for you that are uncertain, and I know there's a number, and, uh, and don't be ashamed that, 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 that you are where you're at. Um, it's just God is working in your life. If you're here and you're in that situation, God is going to bring you past to become where you can grow. And uh, so it's very, very, very important to take your Bibles and turn over, first of all, to John chapter number 3, the Gospel of John chapter number 3. Uh, this is probably, I think, uh, uh, probably the classic uh, passage to turn to uh, for the idea of a new birth. It is required. It's imperative. There's a lot of people and, and uh, probably uh, a huge percentage of people that are trying to live the Christian life and never have had a new birth, or they don't know what a new birth is. Sometimes it's redefined. I, I know the uh, Catholic Church is teaching uh, the new birth, but it's not biblical, all right? It's not following the biblical uh, teachings that are, that are in our scriptures. So we're going to look at the idea of Nicodemus. And uh, the key verses are 3 through 8, but I want you to begin at, the, at verse number 1 with me so we uh, get the full story of it. Verse number 1, the Bible says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God. No man can do the miracles thou doest except God be with him. Now notice, and yet uh, uh, he was coming to Jesus and uh, recognized him to be somebody, appreciated uh, who Christ was and what he was doing. And notice what Jesus says in verse number 3. And Jesus answered, And verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Immediately... <coughs> Jesus recognized that he lacked the new birth. He recognized that even though this man was a, uh, a ruler of the Jews, and he's going he's to explain this to him in a little bit, <clears throat> that there was something missing, and there was no ability to be able to go any farther until he got that settled. You're here today, and you want to grow. And the first thing you've got to ask yourself, are you born again? If you're not born again, listen, this is a biblical term. It's not something that's Baptist. It's a Bible term. And so you have to understand, if it's not <coughs> falling and capitulating to uh, what, what Baptists believe, it's what Bible believers, every Bible believer understands. You cannot see the kingdom of God except you're born again. And so Nicodemus... And I didn't even try to memorize these verses because they were so clear to me when I was uh, uh, supposed to be a Christian. And Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time in his mother's womb and be born? But what is he doing? He is a Pharisee. He's taking what Jesus is saying literally, which we're literalists in, in, when it comes to the Scriptures. Okay, when it's a spiritual application, the Bible says so, but until then... We take to what the Bible says literally. And so he's asking, what do you mean? Go back and re be reborn in my mother's womb? You mean he's 
he's taking, he's taking it seriously. He's not making fun of what Jesus is saying. And Jesus, verily, verily, I say unto except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, even though Nicodemus was ignorant of this idea of a new birth, he was not ignorant of the idea of water. He knew what he meant by the Spirit, but he wasn't ignorant of the idea of the water. Man does not live by what? Bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God doth man live. The idea of the water, it's all through the book of Isaiah. Anywhere you go, when, uh, when Moses hit the rock, out gushed water. Uh, water is a sustenance of life. You can, live, you can live a couple weeks, maybe a month without any food, but you cannot survive very long without water. You have to have water. Same, and so the, the analogy there, if you want to know what water is, it's the Word of God. And we're going to look at that in a little, in a little bit as well. And then in verse, he says, uh, uh, in verse number 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit, meaning there's a total different contrast. The first birth is the fleshly birth. You're born of your mother. The second is a spiritual birth, which is from above. If you don't understand that completely, when uh, God is working in a person's life, the very first thing he does is he convinces the world of sin. The Holy Spirit comes into the world. That's his work. When he works in the life of a believer, he convinces you of sin. When a person gets saved and starts living for God, his responsibility is to be a light that so shines before men, not only their lives exemplify a changed life, but they also are willing to share how Christ changed them, showed them their sin. Until you come to that understanding that you fall short of the glory of God, that there's none righteous, no, not one, then you'll never be born again. There are people here today that they've never come to that grip that I'm a sinner, I fall short of the glory of God, even though I may not be the worst guy in the world, God's not going to measure you by the worst guy in the world. He's going to measure your righteousness, now listen to this, and he's going to compare you to Christ. What do you say, Pastor? He's not going to measure you by the worst person you know. He's going to measure your righteousness by Christ. Now, when you know that and understand that, you say, well, who can ever measure up to the righteousness of the Lord? Well, you know the answer. Nobody. Nobody that's ever been born in this world will ever measure up to the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you come to understand that, when you become to the idea that those that respond or do not respond to the gospel have no other choice than be, de be forever condemned to hell. That's terrible. That's a terrible thought. But Jesus, God gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him or trust in him put their faith in him, what he did for them on the cross of Calvary to have eternal life. There's a lot of folks that are trusting that they're not that bad a person. 
There's a lot of folks that are saying, well, I, 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 I've tried to do good. I try. I've never murdered anybody. I've never uh, 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 been that bad a person. Listen, that standard of righteousness is Jesus Christ. Did Jesus ever utter a word that he shouldn't have uttered? Did he? He never did. Did he ever look upon a woman to lust after her? He never did. Did he lie? Did he ever? You think about it. Did he love the Lord thy God with all of his heart, all of his mind, all of his soul, all of his strength, and his neighbor as himself? He did. Now you, now you measure yourself up to Christ. Have you fulfilled what Jesus did? Pastor, you know the answer to that, no. Then you need a new birth. You need to say, well, since I can't measure up to that standard, I need to put my faith in the person that did. The one that did. His blood needs to cover my sin, my life. And I uh, just shared with somebody not too long ago, I, listen, I said, you know, the problem you have is your pride. You know, the biggest obstacle to people getting saved is their pride. They don't want to come to and admit that they fall short of the glory of God. They don't want to see their all their the best they could do in their life as filthy rags in the eyes of God. Book of Isaiah. And listen, until you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, you'll never ever be born again. Well, that's serious. The wages, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you think with me, I'm going to go over this. Some of you bear with me because you've heard this, but listen, for those that haven't heard, let me say, ask you, where were you when Jesus died for you on the cross? Where were you? Were you here? Were you there? You say, well, Pastor, I wasn't born yet. I wasn't, I, well, you know what? When Jesus died for sin, how much sin did he die for? Some of it? When he went to the cross of Calvary, how much sin was covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? From the beginning of time until the end of time, he covered it all. So when you put your trust no longer in yourself and your efforts and your energy to try to be right with God and you put all your faith in what he did on the cross of Calvary and say, Lord, forgive me. I don't deserve what you've done for me. I deserve hell. When you can owe up to your sin and you go to God with your sin I promise you, as the Bible says, you'll be born again. Take your Bible. I hadn't planned this, but I want you to see it in the Bible. Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter number 10. I just thank you that you're so persistent in coming to church. I do. I thank God. Some, the Spirit of God is drawing you here to hear the truth about your sin and to hear the, the remedy for your sin. Look what it says in Romans chapter number 10. <clears throat> Verse number 1. Brethren, 
I believe this is the Apostle Paul. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that Israel might be saved. He's talking about his, his Jewish brothers and sisters and, the, and, and blood brothers and sisters. They, for the most part, had rejected Christ. But notice what he says. He says, my heart's desire is that they'll be saved. Notice what it says. I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to what? Knowledge. There's a lot of people that are zealous about God. You may be here today, and you believe in God, and you say, well, I know I believe in God. Listen, believing in God and trusting in God with all of your heart and all of your mind and soul is a difference. You know, the devil believes in God, too. Did you know that? <laughs> and he trembles. He's got a little bit going for him than you. You don't even tremble. He believes in God and tremble. He says, I bear them record. They being ignorant, notice what a verse 3, they being ignorant of whose righteousness? Verse 3, God's righteousness. Going about to establish their what? Own righteousness. Instead of submitting themselves to the righteousness of God, they are trying to manifest that. I'm not that bad a person. I'm a pretty good guy or gal, whatever you might be. Going about to establish their own righteousness. What's the Bible say? Have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. And that's where you're at. You need to submit. It's not my righteousness that's going to get me anywhere. It's not my righteousness that's going to make me born again. It's submitting myself to the righteousness of God, his, the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that exciting? Wow, I don't know how I can remember for the first 30 years of my life, I strived to be righteous. I went to church. I was baptized. I, of course, my parents did that for me. But I took confirmation, and, and, and I, I can remember even praying, believing, oh, God, I want to be, be what you want me to be. Struggled with it. I can't do it. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. That means there's, that's it. When I figure out it's not my righteousness going to get me to heaven, that's the end. It's going to be the righteousness of God. Now, if you haven't done that, I'll be honest with you. People reach, you know, you, get, you reach a point, and I can remember this fellow that witnessed to me for six months, this guy. God bless Ron Frills. God bless this guy that he was so persistent, and he kept loving me with the word of God and showing me the truth and showing, and he didn't, and he wasn't, he was just persistent. Finally, one day, Ron Frills wasn't near on my, by my side, but somebody else was, the Holy Spirit of God. And I had the water of the Word in my heart. I knew the truth about my sin, and I knew my truth about my uh, unrighteousness and the righteousness of Christ. And I can remember as I was splitting that wood out there, my mind was so far away from what I was doing, and I knew God was dealing with my sin. I couldn't face it. I was so overcome with the idea that I was going to die in my sin, I was in trouble with God, I couldn't think anything else. 
I remember going into the house. My wife was already in bed. And I remember saying, oh, God, I don't know what you want me to do. And I fell on my knees and said, oh, God, do whatever you want me to do. I'll do it. I, I ask you to help me. I had no idea that was her thinking. <laughs> I just knew I was in trouble with God. And I don't know what, how God is going to deal with you, but I know he'll get your attention. And when he gets your attention, the only thing you can do is cry out, Oh God, have mercy. You want to be born again? And you listen to what the Word of God says. You keep coming to church. And if you say, well, Pastor, I've been looking and I've been reading and I've been listening, then you come and see me. And I'll do my dead level best to show you how to be born again. And you don't have to keep wondering and hoping and wishing that someday some kind of a miraculous thing God will use. Listen, I shared with my granddaughter this week about the Ethiopian. I mean, I love to read that story about the Ethiopian. Don't you? I mean, he's been to Jerusalem. He's been to the Passover. And he knows there's something going on there. He's probably heard about the, the Lord Jesus and all the hullabaloo that went around about the it's death, burial, and resurrection. Both sides of the story began to read the book of Isaiah. And God knew that this man's close. And he stopped Philip in his evangelistic effort, and he sent Philip down there. He says, join yourself to the chariot. And when he got down there, he heard him reading the book of Isaiah. He says, you know what you're reading? <laughs> ah, how can I know? Let some man guide me. Philip got in there, and he began to preach unto him who? Jesus. And he preached unto him Jesus, and they come to a place where there's some water. And he says, uh, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip says, well, if you believe with all your heart, thou mayest. He believed. I believe who that Messiah was and what he did for me. Listen, I'm taking extra time because I know God is loving some folks here on overtime. He's doing a great work in your heart and in your mind to help you to understand what salvation is. But please, you take the time. Let's look at a couple of these last verses. 1 Peter chapter number 1, <clears throat> verse number 23. 1 Peter chapter number 1, and verse number Again, this parallels the idea of the Word of God being the sustenance, being born of the water and of the Spirit. And the Bible says in verse 20, being born again, not of what? Corruptible seed, but the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. It's one of the two elements that you need. So please, what I'm saying to you this morning, you keep your heart and mind in the Word of God. I promise you. And you cry out to God, God, I want to know the truth. And Jesus says what? You'll know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Wow. Boy, when you get born again, you'll know you're born again. And nobody can, not the devil himself can change the idea. You keep in the word of God and you'll understand the grace that God gives you. 
Verse 23, which liveth and abideth forever is the word of God. 1 John chapter number 3. Another element that's going to be present. If you're born again, is is your ideas about sin. Notice what it says. 1 John chapter number 3 and verse number 9. 1 John 3 and verse number 9. Bible says, whosoever is born of God doth not commit, what? Sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. Now listen, don't get me wrong here. It's not going to have a pattern of sin. You no longer look at sin the same way. You'll do things you do, and you say, oh, I don't, I don't like that. You cannot do it with a good conscience. How many know what I'm talking about? Man, you just you used to be able to do it and it didn't bother you. And you could just go on with your merry way, but after you get saved, wow, you say, I can remember I had booze as a problem in my life. And some other things that I won't mention. But I can remember thinking, in my conscience, I kept trying to justify it, justify it, justify it. How many been like that? I, I, I just I just think it's gonna be an old stick in the mud like some of them like some of them Christians. I think you can do it. And, and every time I read the Bible and try to justify, it, Holy Spirit says, "What are you trying to do?" I got saved in November on January the first of the next year. I remember sitting at a New Year's Eve party, with family, and I can remember them setting. What do you want? And they said, they, what do I want to drink? And they set this booze in front of me. And the Spirit of God spoke to me, you shouldn't drink that. And I never drank that, and I haven't drank since. You say, why? Because God cleansed me of that. By the grace of God, God cleansed me of that. And he does that with everything. You don't keep the same mind about sin. Now listen. Please, God is loving you with a love that says, listen, he doesn't want you to perish. He's not willing that any should perish. And He's and let me tell you this, God is excited about you being in church. You may not be born again, but he's excited about you being in church. What you need to do is come to grips and say, listen, I'm not going to waste time. I'm not going to take chances with this. I want somebody to show me, just like the Ethiopian, guide me. Pastor, take some time with me. Show me how that I can know for sure that I'm born again. You realize you don't have any. Nobody's guaranteed another heartbeat. Did you know that? You're here today. Yeah, you might be here next week, but you may not. I hope you are. But your Bible says today, if you'll hear his voice, pardon me. If God is speaking to your heart, harden not your heart. I encourage you. Today is the day of salvation. Don't take, don't take a risk with your soul. Remember, eternity is forever. How many know what I'm talking about? When you die, there's no purgatory. There's no second chances. So please. I beg of you, on in God's stead, 
take the time to know for sure today. You, I, you're not going to take, if you say, Pat, and I'm not, don't be embarrassed to come to me and say, Pat, I'm just not sure. I'd like to be sure. You come to me, I'm going to do my dead level best. That is my job, and every Christian's job is to help people know for sure. I'm, I, I, I will never, indelibly written in my mind is the man Ron. I'll never forget his face. I'll never forget the times he spent with me in the Word of God because God used that person to show me the truth. God will put somebody like that in your life. It can be a friend. It can be me. It can be a family member. But God puts people in your life to show you the truth so that you can be liberated. So imperative for growth is a new birth. Number one, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I want you to look with me. We're back in 1 Peter now. 1 Peter. Chapter number one is the authority. Maturity has some, and that new birth, growth, requires us to follow some steps. Peter is writing to people that are scattered in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And guess what? God doesn't want you to stay to be a baby. As much as I like babies, and I do, I love babies. God doesn't want you to stay a baby. He wants you to mature in the faith because God has a plan for your life. And when you understand that, you'll understand that, first of all, it is his authority that brings us there. Look in verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away in heaven for you. That is God's plan. It's number one. Understanding he has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. Listen, we're not. The Bible says we're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So it is necessary. It's a necessary step. We've got to understand his authority. He is our Heavenly Father. Jesus says, I always do those things which please the Father. If you're born again and you want to grow, that ought to be your desire. When you were a son, uh, when you were a, a little daughter or son, your mother and father, God's purpose was as, as in that time of your life was to try to please mom and dad. That's God's goal. When, they, when you grow up that way in a godly environment, your desire will pass on to please not only your mom and dad, but also to please. Look in verse 5 and 6. Applied love appreciated. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed as the last one, wherein we greatly rejoice through the now foreseen, if need be, in heaviness, Ye be in, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Now, I spent a whole lot of time last Sunday night on this idea of trial. 
And if you haven't weren't here Sunday night, I, you ask me, I'll send you the PowerPoint in your email and you can look at it. Trials. It's not some strange thing that happens to Christians. If you're born again, God desires for you to grow. If you're going to grow, God gives you a little boost. <laughs> Did you realize that? Your parents won't let you stay where you're at. They want you to grow. They're going to give you responsibilities. They're going to have greater expectations from you. They don't want to constantly be picking up after you. They don't want to constantly be doing everything for you. They know that if you can get to learn to do things, you'll, have, you'll be more excited. You'll be more pleased to be with them. So there's this apply to love, appreciate. Listen, if you look in verse 6, God moves you out of this comfort zone. I've talked about it this morning. If you are, if you're having some, how many have some trials in your life? Some difficulties. Difficulties are a blessing. <laughs> it's when the when the when the, when it says it's good for me that I've been afflicted. It's good that you have trials. There's good. Listen, if you learn, one of the biggest things about the children of Israel is when they got into the wilderness. Their biggest issue was what? Complaining. Instead of recognizing that God was taking care of them, God was over them, God was ruling, God had a plan for their life, they murmured. Listen, it's human nature to complain. It's too cold, it's too hot, it's, I need more money, I, I need, a, 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 I need a more strength, I need better health, I need something... I always got to have something. Instead of complaining, what should we do? Take our needs to who? The Lord Jesus Christ. The idea there is that God wants to do that, and the idea there is that God can help you with that. Look at verses 7 through 11. 7 through 11. That the trials of your faith being much more precious than that of what? What's the Bible say? Than that of gold that perished through tried with fire may be found under the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So who allowed some trials in your life? Who allows them? Jesus did. He says that's more precious than gold. If you never have any trials in your life, you'll never, ever learn to trust Christ. It just won't happen. So when we get trials in our life, we ought to say what? What's the first thing we ought to say with our mouth? Come on, let's practice it. Thank you, Jesus. I know I sound like, a, like I came out of the south side, don't I? But thank you, Jesus. Thank you for allowing this uh, issue to come into my life. I am going to, from this trial, from this issue, I'm going to look to you. Listen, by the way, it's not a sin to complain to God. Did you know that? You can take your complaints to God. But don't take your complaints anyplace else. That's murmuring. You just take your complaints to God. I, you say, God, I, I'm thankful for this trial. Not sure what I'm supposed to learn out of it. But I do want to grow. I do want to mature. I do want to do your will. Show me in this trial. You realize you may not understand the full benefit of this trial 
till many, many days, weeks, maybe even years later. But when you put your faith in Christ, in a triumph, you open yourself up to growth. And by the way, you have a sense of, I've, I've never taken anything that I've had to the Lord. And I start off with a problem in my life, an uh, issue in my life, and, and I take it to God and I take my, my issue to Him and I lay it out to Him. By the time I get done, well, the trial didn't go away, but guess what did go away? Hmm? All that discomfort that came. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, it, it seems like, what? I don't feel the same about the same thing. That I know that I gave it to the one that can help me with it, that can strengthen me and guide me with it. A lot of times we wait until we're ate up with it. We wait and we murmur about it and we let it eat us up inside and we uh, actually start um, uh, uh, complaining to our spouse and everybody else will listen and it don't go away and it don't get any better. And finally we scratch our head a little bit. Maybe I ought to just take this to Jesus. It'd be best if we do that right up front, wouldn't you think? Number four. <clears throat> The effects of love. Now get this. The effects of love. We're going to look at these verses. <clears throat> it says in verse 9, <clears throat> Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Through what? How did you get the grace? Through trials. How did you get God to working in your life? Through trials. And, then, and you look through the, through the uh, uh, scriptures, and, the, and it says here that, that the prophets inquired and searched dealing, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand of the suffering and the glory that should follow. We suffer with him. The Bible says when we have suffered in the flesh, we've ceased from what? Sin. Isn't that great? This flesh, in order for it to get out of the way, has to suffer something. Because it's not the flesh that's going to save you. It's the Spirit of God when he works through your life to the degree that he wants to, that we feel the effects of God's love for us. Boy, I tell you what, when you get excited about how much God loves you, and you get excited about how what he wants to do in your life, then the idea is that you can't keep quiet. You say, well, you, don't, you wouldn't believe what God has done for me and my family. We heard it this morning in the testimony. God is so good to me, and I don't deserve him working in my life the way he does. You can't keep quiet. Evangelism isn't something that you've got to pump yourself up for. It's something that's a natural flow of Christ working through you. That's why it's called amazing grace. 
And people look at you, what are you so excited about God? I don't see your life being uh, uh, much more, uh, you don't have much more money than I. Matter of fact, you probably got less money than I got. You have less and less house. Your house, your car you drive is, is 20 years old. What do you got to be happy about, Jesus? He just keeps loving me and showing me and guiding me. He's helping me in my marriage. He's helping me with my kids. He's helping me with, at my workplace. People wonder, you must be up to something. You're smiling all the time. No, Christ is just working in my life. Verse 12. We're going to get there. <clears throat> unto whom he was revealed, not to themselves, but unto they, did ministry things that now reported of you by them which have preached the gospel and the Holy Ghost sent down from which things angels desire to look into. Verse number 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober to the end, for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to former lust and your ignorance, but as he which is called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of what? Conversation. Funny, I had a... <clears throat> maybe the Lord was just prepping me for the message this morning. We had a... We had a Somebody talking to me about this this morning. When you know what God is doing in your life, and you know that he wants to do that in other people's lives, boy, you really say, God, please make me all that I should be. I don't want to be a, a stumbling stone to someone else. I want to be a threshold for someone to be able to step up to be able to know you as their Savior. All holy conversation. Now let's look at this word conversation just a little bit. Because it might be a, <clears throat> a word we don't use often this way. The conversation, general course of manner, behavior, deportment, especially as it respects the most. Let your conversation be as become the gospel. That means everything you do, say, or think, my friend, listen, should reflect who? Your children, your husband, your wife, your neighbors, your cousins, your brothers, your sisters, all should be able to recognize this person has a walk with God. Let's do this little exercise. Zach mentioned something. I, when Zach gave that testimony this morning, Zach, I, I, am, I was in the same shoes as you. I've had that same scenario, a little different, but it was the same thing. I was scared, and I was afraid, and I was assuming the worst. You want to know if you have a walk with God, the first thing you want to do is start talking to God. First thing you want to do is get other people to start talking to God. Hey, you got an issue come up in your life. Somebody gives you a call, some serious thing going on in somebody else's life. You say, kids, let's pray. You don't say we're going to pray about it. You say we're going to pray right now. We're going to stop what we're doing because we have this out conversation with God that says, listen, this need not to be put off. This needs to be taken care of right now. Right, Zach? Something we need to take care of right now, right? 
It ought to be if Zach called me and said, Pastor, I'm not sure. I've got this real concern on my heart about my dad. Uh, would you pray? I say, Zach, let's pray right now. Because what are we doing? We're saying, listen, we want our conversation, everything about us, to resemble who? The Lord Jesus Christ. You want to mature in the faith? Recognize that your conversation becometh the gospel. Good news. Christ is out there. He wants to help you. He'll save you. There's no issue too big for him. Newborn has some necessary steps. We looked at the authority, the applied love, the assessment, the purging of love, maturing, the effects of love. Then there's this accountability. This is a part of it. It's good parents make their children accountable. They love them, and they're going to make them accountable. That doesn't mean, well, if you want to, Sonny. <laughs> no, you're saying, no, this is not a, a suggestion. This is what I've asked you to do. Not because I'm making your life miserable, but because I love you. I want you to be happy, content, blessed. You think God's in the business of making people happy and content and blessed? Sure he is. But we're, we fight it. We do, don't we? Even though we got it, we know God's our Father, and we even know He knows what's best for us, we still fight the idea that God knows best. Look at verses 16 with you. <clears throat> because, as it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. There's the standard of righteousness. Verse 17, And if you... Call on the Father who without respect of person judges according to every man's work. Pass your, the time of sojourning here, what? In fear. I don't want to miss God's best. How about you? I don't want to miss God saving my grandchildren. I don't want to miss God saving souls in this church. I don't want to miss God's best for me for my marriage, for my children, grandchildren, for my church, for my neighbors. And last of all, to, to know that I'll stand before God. Did you know you'll stand before God someday? Give an account. What a responsibility we have. In verse number 17, or 18, for as much as you know... You are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received from by tradition of your father, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot. So really, is there an excuse? Is there anything that can dominate our mind, our heart, our, our, our emotions? There's things that try to, but there's no excuse. You can claim the blood of Christ to cover any issue that you have. I said any issue. Some of you look at me, oh, you don't know, I just brought this one thing I'm dealing with, Pastor. The blood of Christ covers every, so there's no excuse. There's no excuse. 
And we say, God, I, I cannot allow myself. Look at verse number 20. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Who by him do believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Now listen. Guess what? This maturity thing is all pointing one direction. Yeah. Because when you become mature, guess who you're going to be like? Help me out. Who you're going to be like? I mean, just like Jesus. Now you look at the life of Christ. Come on, just take a little time. Think about Jesus. What did he come into the world for? Save sinners. Your maturity, you get where God wants you to be. Guess what? Your maturity will be focused on others. Their salvation, their growth, your desire will be God's desire. Your wishes will be God's wishes. That's why when we come to prayer meeting, there's a lot of things we can pray for. And we do. But our main focus is what? Souls. We want souls to be saved. We want souls to be added to the church. We want souls to grow and mature and that that, that maturity would be passed on to every generation. All done. A strong, mature believer does what? sing a song, Can I Go in Into Him? What's the answer? You can't be like Christ and go into Him. You're handing out tracts. You're doing your dead level best to be a verbal witness. You will not go in into Him. Matthew 4.19 he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you what? Fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. Listen, God saved you because he loves you. Now he lives within you, and he can love other people as well. Because you know, maybe a trite saying, but it's true. You could be the only Jesus somebody will ever know, or the only Bible somebody will ever know. Walking in faith, Christ manifesting himself in the flesh. You want to be a mature Christian? Pastor, you say, Pastor, I really want to be a mature Christian. I want one, I want to be so much what God wants me to be. I, I ache inside. Be like God. Let's stand at this place. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You appreciate what God has done. You know His authority. Every day you get up and you just thank God for saving you. You just you just are so thankful that God is working your life. 
You're looking at the trials and say, oh, praise God, God is just trying to make me grow. He's trying to make me all that I should be. And I feel the effects of wanting to tell others, and I, I desire, and I want to get there, and I want to grow there. And you say with an uplifted hand, you say, Pastor, just pray for me. I'm not, I'm not sure where I'm at in this travel, but I want to get where God wants me to be. Just pray for me. Uplifted hands. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Anybody else? Pastor, just pray for me. I want to grow. I want to mature. Anybody else? I'm here this morning, you're still not sure about your salvation. Pastor, just keep praying for me. I want to get there. I want to have that assurance. And I'll lift your hand and say, Pastor, just pray for me. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Anybody else? See, just keep praying for me, Pastor. I'm going to get this fixed in my life, Lord. I know for sure. I see that hand. Anybody else? Okay, God, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, you know every hand and you know every heart. You know hearts that didn't have their hands lifted to you. Lord, we know that there is a world that's perishing around us. And Father, it is very dependent on us being mature Christians to meet the need. So I ask, Father, that you be with those that raised their hands and those that didn't. And Father, that they would overcome every obstacle and welcome trial, knowing that they're going to bring growth and maturity. Help them, Father. Get to the place where they can see the evangelistic arm that Father is so natural and normal to them. Their outreach would just be who they are. Bless them, Father, with the understanding. Bless them with the growth. Father, I pray for those that are still lingering and not certain. Lord, they know that they need this resolve. They know they need to get it fixed. They know that you're loving them and caring for them and persuading them. Lord, please help them to overcome the pride and surrender their life to you. Give them that grace.